0: This is Terrio Media. The stories and the things that I've gone through, the struggles, um, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it in a minute, but that's what makes Mm -hmm. us who we are, and a lot of times we try to hide that and just showcase the good. And, you know, one of the things that I I pride myself on is I do legitimately give a, you know, I I care about other people, and I think that it's important that we embrace the full aspects as to who we are and how we show up. (laughs)
1: Hello, I'm Matt Terrio of the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, and welcome to another episode of Thought Leader Thursday. So today I'm joined by a successful entrepreneur of many talents. He's not just a keynote speaker and high-performance business coach. He is also a corporate executive, a best-selling author, a film producer, video course creator, relationship-selling guru, master of social media marketing, and devoted father who's passionate about life, laughter, continuous learning, martial arts, reading, art, tattoos, football, surfing, traveling, and spending time with his four incredible children. Please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Colby Kalibas. Colby, my welcome man. to the show.
0: Matt, it's great to see you, my brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. did I pronounce that correctly, Kalibas? Kalibas, yeah.
1: Oh, Kalibas. I yeah, had the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable.
0: Got yeah, it. So, so
1: close, so close. <laughs> <No. clears throat> Super. So, sounds like you're doing a lot, right? Where Can you kind of give me a short version of where did this amazing journey you've been on, where did this begin?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Matt. The... As we get started, man, let me just start by by thanking you first and foremost for having the opportunity to come on the show. Um, anytime I can get in front of a new audience, and especially in, inside of a new vertical, and you know, your listeners and the audience think it's the time to listen to a message, um, it means the world for me, and I, I don't take that for granted. So, first and foremost, thanks for having me on.
1: You bet, and you know equally, I, I feel your blessing the show. So, thank
0: you for being. Here. So the thirty thousand foot overview. Um, you know, I'm a. I had entrepreneurial kind of parents. My dad worked a shovel for the power company. My mom was a business owner. I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, lived there until I was about 13. And then I bounced around a lot. Went to so- Southern California, Phoenix, Hawaii, New York. Um, had a stint in the music business for about 10 years as a booking manager and agent and producer um, in the, in, in the hip hop community. Was an entertainment director for the Olympics in 2002 and then everything around me kind of changed. Um, I became a single father pretty young, and got full custody of my daughter almost as fast as I said the intro. So, um, her and I moved to Phoenix, and I got into corporate America. And in that, I spent 15 years inside the the corporate uh, the corporate technology sector, mm-hmm. starting this as an individual contributor, you know, um, on the on the phone. Um, I started building computers in a warehouse, like the old Dell Build Your Own PC days. Um, then graduated into a sales guy and was doing telesales to, you know, selling computers to businesses. Um, then went from that to, you know, I, I money was a big deal to me. And then when you didn't have any growing up, you know, you kind of, that, that was a sign of success. So I had some monetary goals and as I started to get through that, uh, leadership became extremely important to me. So how would I hire, build and structure teams to scale high performance teams in a very fast paced world. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then I had a goal of being an executive, like the youngest executive at a fortune 500 company I was very blessed and honored to have good mentors, and I've got a you know a crazy work ethic where you know I just I just don't say die. I come in first thing and leave I'm first in, and last out. Mm-hmm. I'm a sponge and did that and became a, was an executive at two different Fortune 500 companies. I built a software company based on kind of a need that kept showing up in the market. I learned how to code watching YouTube videos and at night and on the weekends. I started working at about eight o'clock at night till two in the morning for almost eight months had a $10 million round. We had a million dollars in revenue and I exited corporate America to go start a software company. In the process of that, I got sued. I lost everything. I lost my marriage, my house, my company. And then that's where most people that know me that have followed me on social media, that's where, that's where my story started for a lot of people where with social media and video specifically, what we see is, you know, the highlight reel, I just decided. I, I wish I could tell you I was really smart when I did it, and there was a reason for it. I was just sitting in my kitchen with everything boxed up behind me, in this beautiful home that that I had built. You know, two of my kids were born in the house, and that's the only neighborhood they knew. And here we were leaving, right, like moving out of this house. And I started recording then. I just picked up my phone, I hit record. It was before Facebook Live, and I just did a live video of you know, hey, this is what. This is what entrepreneurship is. This is what building a business is. This is what being a problem solver is. And I don't know what in the hell I'm going to do, but I'm going to film every day. And I'm just going to show you the ins and the outs of, you know, there's, I built a $500 million business inside a 600 or in a $6 billion company. I've learned a lot. We Mm -hmm. built a $10 million company. And even though I got sued based on some corporate nuances, we still built that from an idea to 10 million in revenue plus and more. So, you know, I, I built out a system, and I'm going to share, share everything I do. I built two six-figure businesses, um, and as I was going through that process, I was kind of the epitome of the word grind or hustle. I, you know, I was working all of these hours and documenting everything and doing all of these things, and then my world just came crashing down, man. I got diagnosed with Lyme disease. I had it for a year, dude. Didn't know I had it. Had it for a year, and um, I got arthritis in my blood. I was taking opiates heavy. I was getting you know an hour of sleep sometimes a week, and I got really, really, really sick. And what I realized was none. Of it, I wasn't working with purpose. The shit that I was doing, the things that I were building, I, I didn't have a, a purpose around it outside of building the companies. So. Everything, again, you know, I, I turned to, to doing more videos and showcasing uh, what does that look like to get through that and then focus on my health, my family, and then going back to the business because you can always make money, but you can't get your health back once you lose it. Yeah. And um, this has been a journey, man. I, I've been you know, very blessed and honored to speak to, God, this year alone, probably 30,000 people. I uh, wrote another – I just finished my fourth book, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, and um, you know, the the big thing for me is I'm, I'm probably one of the most relatable people you'll meet just because I don't hide behind the bullshit. The stories and the things that I've gone through, the struggles, um, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it in a minute, but that's what makes okay. us who we are, and a lot of times we try to hide that and just showcase the good. And, you know, one of the things that I, I pride myself on is I do legitimately give a, you know, I, I care about other people, and I think that it's important that we embrace the full aspects as to who we are and how we show up. So take all of that down to today. I'm in St. George, Utah right now with my girlfriend. Got a house in Scottsdale, kind of going back and forth, getting ready to do the book tour. Um, I do an event called Meltdown in the Desert. We're going to do a series of events with that um, around the nation. So just uh, kind of plotting and scheming the next, you know, the second half of the year, brother. Wow.
1: Wow that's a ton. That's, so a, that, that's
0: the, that's the intro. <laughs> you know, and, it's, and you know what? And, and I, I heard it all,
1: but I, I still, I couldn't get past something that you shared at the very beginning because sure. I didn't realize we had this in common. So I just want to explore this a little bit. So you're in the music business and you're in the hip hop industry. Yep. Like what was that? Can you go more detail? Then?
0: Yeah, I can, man. So I started on 42. I started DJing and producing beats when I was 14, 15 years old Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been collecting records ever since. I've got probably, I don't have as many, but at one point I had over 10,000 records and I was producing music. I was DJing, I was producing music and what happened, it kind of happened by accident, honestly. I was living in Salt Lake City. I was Mm -hmm. DJing and I was very heavy into the hip hop community as as that was coming up from from breakdancing to MCing to graffiti to like I very embraced that culture, it was a a fit for me. Mm -hmm. I moved to New York uh, I went to to move to New York from Salt Lake to go to NYU. I never made it to NYU. So while I was there, I got a job freelancing at a graphic design firm. And as I was freelancing, they got the bid for the Olympics in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And they were asking who wants to go back to Salt Lake or who wants to go to Salt Lake City? of course nobody wants to go to Salt Lake city. And I'm like, I dude, I don't even know that I'd unpacked my stuff yet. And I'm like, I'm in the heart of the universe. I'm in New York city. Like it's like being where you are in LA. It's like, there's two places you can say you live that everybody that's where everything happens. Right. And I was like, you know what? My competitive advantage is I know Salt Lake in and out. Like I know the people, I know the area. So I'll go to Salt Lake city. I go to Salt Lake city. And in one day, I was like driving around like Dave Matthews, Nora Jones, The Roots, Common Sense, and Erica Badu. That was one day, and I did that for 15 days.
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: got really, really good relationships. I started to build really good relationships specifically towards the music I was listening to, which was hip-hop. I started doing work with The Roots. That went to Common. That went to Erica Badu. That went to um, Outkast. That went to Ludacris. And I started doing the West Coast Booking. So as they would come through the West, because mm-hmm. of the trust that we had, I would be one of the one of the liaisons from a promoter perspective to book eat from small venues up to like the Salt Palace in downtown Salt Lake at the time. And it's just I found my niche. You know, I, I was still I was able to DJ, get paid to DJ, paid to promote. I would open and be on the bill. Plus, I was making beats, and then I was on the mm-hmm. road doing stuff I like to do, man. Awesome. So that's it. I mean, yeah, hip hop and just music in general is just a huge. I mean, it's it's. I'm listening to stuff, and i my ear to the. Sh- I'm listening to stuff every day. Right, right. How about you? Tell me about your experience, sir.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I started started with break dancing for me as well. I did not get into graffiti or MCing, but I I went to DJing and then uh, produced beats. I got had a small little record label called Ill Boogie Records, and we had major label distribution through EMI, and uh, did that until the digital downloaders came and crushed everything. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, we had a a single on our label before, and anyone knew who Eminem was. Uh, You mentioned that. uh, you said common sense. That means you're old school right there. Yeah, yeah, it. It. And then uh Erica Badu had a song, a compilation on one of ours, and uh, I did all the beat junkie compilations. I don't know if you know oh, they, I, love you? Yeah.
0: I love the beat junkies, yeah. Uh
1: worked with dilated peoples and Jurassic Five and so hey,
0: now you're dude, one of my favorite memories of all times mm-hmm. um, on being on stage was it was on my birthday. We were in Park City, Utah. And I opened. It was me, J Five, and DJ Shadow. And then I did the intermission. And Cut Chemist came out. We had six turntable, eight turntables set up. Mm-hmm. And I was on my my set. And then the the fellas had their stuff. So new, uh, Cut Chemist came out. Newmark came out, and Shadow came out. And I played. And the four of us got to play together. It was one of the uh, one of the coolest. Because at that time, I mean, you said the right names, right? You got Ret with the Beat Junkies, all of those people. Like that was those were the guys I idolized. You know, when when Introducing came out from DJ Shadow, dude, it changed everything for me and it was like so to be on stage playing live with those guys was just yeah. awesome so awesome
1: it's crazy small world
0: yeah man <laughs> everyone, everyone asks when i people
1: tell when i tell people i'm in the music business they say oh so who you have on your label and i'll name all this like oh, never heard of them so thank you for no,
0: I, every one of those man i just, thought what i was doing was kind of calm. a big deal at the time i love it
1: i love it it's good
0: well sweet so with all that stuff you've done let me ask
1: you what is your greatest victory to date as an entrepreneur
0: being a father, I think it's probably my greatest um, understanding how to build businesses and still navigate being a parent mm. is probably my biggest win. Um, if you want to talk like tactically the biggest business win, I think it would be, I don't know if it'd be resiliency. It's being able to quickly identify a market that has a problem, create a solution, validate the solution, mm. build a product or service and sell. Those are the four pillars that you just built every, every business has ever been built on. I would say probably greatest accomplishment as an entrepreneur. It's the learning process, dude. I built a supplement company because I was stressed out and I was walking around at like 265 pounds. And I became a human guinea pig for two years on understanding how cortisol and how our bodies produce the stress hormones that we do. Mm -hmm. And instead of taking antidepressants or meditating all day, I knew there was a way to fix that. Um, So, like learning, being a student on a subject that was important and being able to build a business out of it, Um, I've done that with. I mean, a software company. I learned how to code. Okay, so you you and I are when you, you make beats. Whether I'm using an MPC twelve, an MPC twelve hundred, or even an MPC no. two thousand,
1: SP twelve hundred,
0: SP, and, and as we yeah. go into, as you go past that, and you get into like, I remember I was using Fruity Loops, dude, on a PC, and then when I moved away from the PC full time, I started using Ableton. So understanding the software and like how software works, it lends to being that's the same mind it's the same part of your brain for programming, learning how to program, like I learned how to watch YouTube videos on how to essentially scrape data to give back real time information. So Mm -hmm. learning, yeah, being able to pick something and learn through that. I think those are the coolest things. And then being able to share those stories with people that can do something with them. Um, I, one of the things that really comes to mind outside of learning something new, like learning, I love to learn new skill sets is, I Had an opportunity to keynote at um, Deca. Are you familiar with, with Deca and what they do? No. It's like a youth entrepreneur uh, yeah. group for high school kids, right? Yeah. So they had the West Coast regional uh, event here in Phoenix. There's 2,500 kids that came out. I was the keynote, and being able to share tactical principles with 15 year olds mm. was a big deal for me because I just you see, um, I said something on stage and you filled the entire you felt the entire room change. A lot of the kids were talking about what companies they were going to go work for. Like, we're going to work together and go work at IBM. We're going to work together and go work at Google. We're going to work together and go work at Facebook. And I said, if you look around the room, instead of thinking what company you're going to work for, what company are you going to start and what problem are you going to solve that's going to change the world as we know it? That completely flipped the room upside down, and then we started talking about how you do that based on the skill sets Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not had the lumps and bruises from building various companies and 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 having my experience so I would say that's probably one of my biggest things that stands out is being able to help kids take ideas to do stuff with them or youth
1: got it with so much going on what's your primary focus today what and what does that business look like
0: So right now there's two aspects um, that, that kind of pay the bills, right? I, I speak, and right now I'm on a, on a speaking tour for the book, which is called You Should See the Other Guy, which is a series of like every major set of adversities I've gone through and kind of what I learned from them. I'm in a practical application. And right now it's that. It's doing that. And then I've got um, – I do high-performance business coaching with other leaders, right? So if you're, you want to get into a space, you've got ideas, you've got expertise – how do you separate yourself in a noisy world and how do you take your message to get it heard? And then how do you build offers around that mm-hmm. on something that, that kind of makes sense? Uh, and I'm, I'm pushing heavy, dude. I've, I've done a bunch of self-publishing with um, a couple guys that do the chicken soup for the soul series. Like my, my good buddy, Dan Clark's the, kind of the main contributor there. He was the, he wrote the forward for my book and I'm, it's a really interesting world because so many people have stuff to say. They just don't know how to get it out there. Um, so I started a publishing company that is called um, One Man Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. And there's an offer there that I'm building. It'll be, you know, a series of online, you know, online courses and stuff that people can do. Uh, but between speaking, executive coaching and that, I mean, that's really the main focus.
1: Got it. Got it. You know, you mentioned a couple of times and I actually have, I have a copy here as well. <laughs> This, I picked this up earlier this month. This is actually how I found you. I found you on Instagram and, and um, I forget where, how I came across you, but this was, I saw, I thought the title was very cool. So it was very appealing to me. Um, you should see the other guy, how being the underdog helped me get ahead in life, love and business. Um, you said it's a collection of, of your mistakes, right? I think you just said
0: that. Oh, yeah. Just a, uh, I I don't know if they would be called mistakes, What I, I think the, um, just a series of life experiences. Let, let me phrase it like this or frame it like this. Yeah. There's an oh shit moment that every single one of us has. Your listeners have had, everybody's had it. When I go through this exercise, dude, I've done this in front of tens of thousands of people. I think only two or three people have said that this doesn't apply to them. So if you're one of those people, you're a dick because 99% of us. have. <laughs> do right? So it ha- I call it the oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. It either happens in one of two places. It happens in your driveway where you're sitting in your driveway before you walk into the house or you're Mm -hmm. in your bedroom or laying on the floor or you're looking up at the ceiling, you're laying down going like, Oh shit. And it usually has something to do around a job. Like you lost a job, you're bankrupt, you're losing your money, um, a relationship, Mm -hmm. you go through a divorce or a separation, a heartbreak or a health issue. Mm -hmm. And you're laying there going or in your car going, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Like I just don't see how I'm going to live tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. it's not that it's suicidal premises. A premise, it's the, I really feel like this is the bottom and the lowest I can ever go. Do you know a moment I'm talking about for you? Yeah. Were you, were you in your car or were you in your house? In my car. So yep. in that experience, all of us have had those. But here's the thing. Whether that was 10 minutes before you got on this call, you're 10 minutes ahead, or this was 10 years ago, you, you made it. You're here. Like You're here right now. You and I are sitting on this call, so that means we both made it through whatever we thought was going to kill us. And I've been through a lot of those moments right. where like, I thought everything was just going to be over. And in those experiences, what you learn is on two things. There is somebody behind you right now that's going through that moment in their car and has, thinks they're all alone, and they think that they're broken. They have no idea that there's anybody else there, out there that has gone through it and survived, and what they've learned through that process to help them just get through to the next level to where they can help the next person go through whatever they're going through. Mm-hmm. That's one. And the other piece is... The human spirit is really resilient, like super resilient. We're built to be able to withstand a ton. And in this book, I I cover, you know, I, I was a business coach for um, the first guy who started Shark Tank. So I've done a lot of work with Kevin Harrington's team. Uh, another guy is Dan Clark, the guy who co-wrote all the Chicken Soup for the Soul stuff. Dan and I got really close and he'd hear all my stories and he'd been around. We would speak on stages together and he's like, dude, you need to put a book together. Hmm. I took a ride. The other part of the sub chapter, there's kind of our two subtitles. The last part of the t- title of the book is life lessons from Navy seals, millionaires, and celebrity bikers. Right. I was on a, a, a motorcycle trip on Harley's with 15 to 17 of the most amazing special forces men and women you've ever met in your life. And I got to spend a week and a half with them learning what makes the top 1% 1% and it starts with the ranger creed, right? The ranger, the the word ranger actually spells out a creed. And I thought if the top 1% of our military have a creed, do I have a creed? So I came up with the creed and the acronym is journey and each one of the, you know, the letters in the word in the letter, each letters in the word journey specifies something. And the story goes along that the stories go along that. So it's not autobiographical. It's it's an autobiography out of order and it's not Mm -hmm. supposed to be read like that. What it is, is it's everything from, um, you know, my building a company, what did I learn of building a company inside as an executive, uh, going through a divorce? Um, I went to jail for kidnapping. I had full custody of my daughter. I didn't file the right papers. We went across state lines and her mom tried to extort me for money and I stopped paying her child support. I got extradited for kidnapping. What said so they I was supposed to go to a jail cell I went to prison and they left me there. And it was like, at the end of it, the charges were dropped. Everything was expunged. Like I got my daughter back and the judge said, I'm, you know, when we were going through the process, I had two judges, a man and a woman. And they both said the same thing. I'm sorry, and I know I can't bring the time back. And I thought it was only three months. Some people you know, do serious time, and like, I'm blessed that the ex- I had that experience. But it's stuff like that that I hid forever. I hid that shit for 15 years. You Google my name, you'll find like, a handful of mugshots, Graffiti, um, picking up my best friend who was a cop, and I had a shot, and they gave me a DUI in a 0 tolerance state, building a company, losing it. Like all that shit, like you can find it. It's public information, and it's stuff that we traditionally hide from. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me who I am. And I'm, I, I like who I am. Like, I'm, I am I love people. I'm a great dad. I, like, I love the, the the shit that I do. I really love doing what I do. And if, I'll put it to you this way. Debbie Debbie Light wrote, um, or Debbie Ford wrote a book called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. In that book, it talks about how we're not good or bad. We're the net sum of the life experiences that we have. And what happens if, if I ignore the darkness, I can't ever really celebrate the fact that the light switch is on and the sun's out. If... I can't be selfless if I don't understand selfish. I mm-hmm. can't be kind if I'm not a dick sometimes. We suppress all of these negative connotations about our behavioral traits, thinking that when we do that, we're going to lift the lighter sides as to what we think is more acceptable. In mm-hmm. fact, what you do is you're suppressing the net hole of the entire experience. And a handful of years ago I went through some really heavy stuff when I had the Lyme disease and I was looking at what was important to me what I realized is I was going to stop suppressing all of the life experiences I had and embrace them as a whole because that's holistically what makes me who I am and when you when you understand that when you learn to forgive yourself for the things you've done that's a heavy statement like forgive yourself mm-hmm. like it's okay when we learn to forgive ourselves, we can embrace more. And when we embrace more, we become more, and we can offer more to others around us. So the book is about that. It's about the times of this. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of funny stuff, man. It's, um, each chapter has a beginning, middle, and end. It's written in story. It's not sequential order. You just pick it up, and you can just read it. You don't have to read it front to back. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite things is I have people that are like, I read your book in one sitting, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, did I not write enough? Should it be more pages? And they're like, no, it was like literally that captivating where I sat down for six hours and just read the entire thing. And, you know, as a guy, I didn't start reading until I was in my mid-20s. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things Mm -hmm. where when you have your friends who you know don't read and they're reading your stuff, you know, front to back, that means that there's something there and it's relatable. So So, describe to me the person that,
1: that stands to gain the most from your book.
0: You know, that's a good question because when I was trying to figure out how we wanted to categorize it in um, and, and Amazon, is it a self-help book? Is it a business book? Is it an entrepreneurial book? Is it a spiritual mm-hmm. manual or, or is it a guide to help hold you accountable? The answer is yes. It's all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's to the person that's gone through a series of life experiences that is just kind of stuck in that hamster wheel and is trying to figure shit out. Mm-hmm. That's who the book is for. And that can be personal. That can be relationships. That can be business. It's to the person who's just going through the motions. Like that's who this book is for. Because what it does is it shows you the things that you've done and what you're doing aren't necessarily wrong. And it snaps you into a, a place to understand and realize there's more out there for you to go do
1: you know in in your subtitle it's uh how being the underdog um i talked to you i i don't get the vibe of you as an underdog why do you see yourself or why did you describe yourself as the underdog
0: because growing up man i was always told i was going to be the kid that was going to be dead or in jail and like i didn't make the decisions that would prove them wrong until i was older Mm -hmm. i mean luckily i made those corrections by the time i hit 20 but you know just growing up I bounced. I went to eight different high schools. You know, my my parents split up. I bounced around. I was left alone a lot. Um, I just did stupid juvenile things. You know, like I didn't hurt anybody and I didn't do like major things, but just small stupid things. That as a single dad or a single mom, um, it was was a handful. And I would just, you know, my mom. I heard a lot from my dad, and I heard it a lot from other people, like other people's parents. And then, you know, a, a series of things changed, and I just I realized that like I don't want to be known as that. And, you know, I got tattoos. I listen to hip hop. I'm a little bit of a different kind of character. I don't fit into the corporate mold either, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you become the gecko and the chameleon within that environment to be able to grab on and take things and learn them and look and blend in, but still have your own personality to, right. on the side or as part of who you are? That's, that's you know, I, I, I'll put it to you this way. I had the opportunity to go to the African History Museum of Washington, D.C. Have you ever been there to the Smithsonian?
1: No, uh -uh, it's
0: it's, it's, it's like a a two or three year waiting list It's, it's a free ticket but it's like it's hard to get into it um i was speaking at a microsoft event actually this time last year and they had rented out like all the major attractions for all the like all the the Microsoft, like people are going to this conference and we got a tour of the, the museum. You start at the bottom and it, it circles around and it goes through a pretty heavy series of, ex, uh, of experiences. I mean, it's a heavy, heavy experience to go there and we get up to the nineties. What happened through the nineties for me was I was introduced to public enemy and NWA almost at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the whole wall was public enemy stuff the big public enemy flag from their tour. And I was, I went to that tour was with the Beastie Boys. Like I remember it. Like I, I see the stuff and I remember it. Like I was there. Right. And then they have these little booths where you could go in and it was like, tell your experience about how African culture has changed you or had an impact on you. And I went in and you were supposed to shut, there's like a sliding door. I didn't see. I just went in and I hit record, put your information. And a lady from the museum, one of the curators happened to be standing there. I thought she was a security guard standing there. And she goes, can you come here a minute?" I said, yeah, absolutely. And she brings me into another one of the rooms. She goes, can you do it in here? We're going to shut the door and record it. I said, yeah, absolutely. So I do it again. And in summary of it, it was hip-hop gave me swagger that carried on through my entire adult life. It allowed me to have critical thinking skills. It allowed me to be socially conscious. And it allowed me to be okay being an individual that has carried on with me for my entire adulthood. It's that swagger. You can't teach swagger. You have it or you don't. It's in other environments where you are not – you're kind of the square peg in a round hole – and when you're in the matrix and you clearly stand out, it's, you know, that, that to me has been a series of things that I've always had to work twice as hard than the other guys who, who didn't look and act like I did, um, simply from mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, I, I've chosen to be an individual, Right. I mean, the, the chips kind of get stacked against you a little bit when you, you know, have tattoos, right. you know, sleeve lines and you, you know, you just feel a little bit different. Now but, it's a lot more acceptable. Now it's actually what I go like when, when I speak, uh, it, it's actually now it's part of my branding it's, you know, if you look at the cover, right. I'm all beat up. It's like, I don't hide. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I highly embrace who I am, but I um, mean, it's that, I think growing up that way and then going through corporate America, it was this kind of the chips are stacked against you.
1: Right.
0: Plus all the shit that I've been through. It's like the stuff I've, like, all of us have had so many experiences you think would kill you. And I just keep, I think my superpowers, you can't kill me. I'm not gonna <laughs> Like I just keep going, I man, I keep going.
1: Right. <laughs> but let's get practical.
0: You talk about it, You have to work twice as yeah. hard as everybody else. So yep. if someone
1: found themselves right now in similar underdog shoes as yours, what would be the first three steps you'd recommend to them in them getting ahead?
0: Uh, work ethic, education, and relationships. Those would be the tactics. Um, probably almost in that order. So for me, first and foremost is the education of the role that you're in or the position you're in. Let's, let's talk about work, right? So if you're in a, in a specific industry, let's say real estate, you're coming into real estate or you're in real estate and you're struggling. First and foremost, understand the market, the market dynamics, and what tools are available to you to be educated. Find those and become a student. Like you just, we've got another forty hours a week outside of eating, sleeping, and working a full time job, and spending time with the family, hitting the gym. You still have tons of time. Stop watching TV, get off Facebook, and learn. Do that first, and then second is become a practitioner of the stuff that you're learning. And find the people that are doing the shit that you want to go do and figure out a way to help them. Don't ask them for anything. What you want to do is come to somebody like you. You're you're a leader in your space. I'll do research on you if I don't have a relationship with you. And I have a skill set that maybe that could be beneficial to what you're doing in the business. And the conversation will go something along the lines of this. I've been doing... I've been in real estate for two years, but prior to that, I was a software engineer. One of the things I really like to specialize in is data. One of the things I'd love to help you with, Matt, is there's a, here's what I see in the market for data and how data could absolutely be used for your agents to act, secure more money, faster deals, and become a valued commodity or a valued tool within a commodity based business to separate. I'll do it for free. I'd love to just show you what I'm doing. I don't want anything in return, but I just love your kind your feedback on it. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to help because I'm, I'm a student. I'm learning. So educate yourself. Put the work in. Find the people doing the stuff you want to do and align yourself with where those top performers are. Put yourself in a scenario where the best people are that can give you the best chance to succeed, and you attach yourself to them, and you help. You help. That in any genre, in any scenario, in any industry has always been my biggest ally. That's always helped me and separated I find the top performer yeah. and I say, give me a desk by them. And I say, what do you do? How do you do it? Why do you do it? And if you're going to spend the time to teach me, I'm going to go do it. And within a, I'm going to come back and tell you what I learned. You told me to, when I do cold calls, you said I should do this. If I do door knocking, you told me to do this. If you tell me to do emails, you told me structure them like this. I did. Let me tell you what the feedback was and what worked. Not the negative shit of what didn't work. You'll figure that out. It's a problem that we need a solution to. It's what worked and then you're going to tell me more. Right, because you're in this sense, you almost become a mentor because I'm I'm really active in trying to be part of that relationship. Mm -hmm. So for me, that that's the way that I would approach any anybody that's either starting or struggling or wants to get to the next level.
1: Yeah, I'm just preaching to the choir here.
0: What do you what do you think about what are your thoughts on that?
1: That's how I got here. I think education is is ideal. Um, I think uh, being intentional about creating your environment. Um, I I always say that peer pressure goes both ways. You hang around with the wrong crowd, you go the wrong way and you hang around the right way. way. So I think you can use that to your advantage and um, traveling as far as you can see when you get there, you'll see further. moving at the speed of instruction is what I like to call it. I like that. Yeah. And uh, amen. So, I've been looking for people to bring on my show that I disagree with. I'm having a hard time finding them, I'm finding great people like you. So it's been an absolute pleasure. If people wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
0: You can go to I M. the letter is I am as in Mary, Colby K, K-O-L-B-Y-K-A-Y.com. So it's, uh, it's my website. The new site should be, it's almost all the way finished. Uh, otherwise, you can go to Facebook. Same thing, same thing with Instagram. Mm-hmm. My handles I'm Colby K. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then same thing on Twitter. And you can find me on LinkedIn under Colby Colobus. Um, that was one of the first social platforms I was on. But yeah, those, awesome. those are kind of the spots, man.
1: Awesome. It's been a pleasure. You know, something I did, um, I bought a bunch of your books. And Thank you. I want to give those away to our audience. So this is how you can get a copy of Colby's new book. You should see The Other Guy. Um, I'm in through the first three chapters. I can't wait to read the rest. And I want you to have a copy if you want one. So go to Instagram. You need to tag Colby. I'm Colby K and Epic Real Estate. And just share with me in a post what you liked best about today's interview. And let's see, I've got, I'm keeping one for myself. So I got nine copies left and nine people do that. uh, Then just DM me your mailing address and I will send you a copy of Colby's book for free. All right. I'm going to ask you to pay for the shipping. I'm going to send it right to you for free. Oh man.
0: That's a a deal right there. Let's do it. Cool. All (laughs) righty. So yeah, let's stay in touch. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks again for having me on. You bet. Thanks for being here. I'll talk to you soon, brother.
1: Take care, bud. Bye. Yep.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Epic Real Estate, another episode
1: of Thought Leader Thursday. I'll see you next week. And uh, to your success, God bless. I'm Matt
0: Terrio, living the dream. Take care.